Lynn Kunzman is back with another edition of Garden for Life. Hi, Lynn. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Lynn is a Jackson County Master Gardener and the recently announced co-statewide Master Gardener of the Year. And we bring Lynn in more frequently in summer because there's more to talk about. I didn't realize you shared the statewide Master Gardener of the Year until I saw the release yesterday. Well, I didn't. Um, that That is, is actually incorrect. The other guy is the behind-the-scenes State Master Gardener of the Year. Ah. So there was a little glitch in the... Uh, in the yeah. uh, article but yeah i i am the i am the state master gardener and he is behind the scenes because he's done so much work up north um with a lot of community gardens and stuff yeah okay good good to know that we have the one and only (laughs) (laughs) yes yes it is (laughs) so uh, this is the time of the year when you and i tend to joke about the drive-by zucchini drops when people just realize they've got too much stuff and they start leaving it on your front porch so which raises the major question are people often surprised by the outputs of their gardens oh yeah always always the zucchini is a big surprise so usually beginning gardeners will plant three hills of zucchini and and then they're like screaming what do i what what do i do with it you know and then of course they get away from you, and I, I just sacrificed a giant cudgel to the compost pile this morning, you know, <laughs> when I went out to the garden, one that we had missed, and, it, you know, you go two days, and you have a, a bludgeon, you know, uh, capability, and so, um, yeah, I what I tell people is plant one hill of zucchini early in the season, and then when it starts to get exhausted, plant another hill, and that will keep you in squash all the way till frost. But when people start out with three or five hills of zucchini, uh, oh. they're lost. <laughs> they're yeah. done for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I noticed a similar. I, I planted one hill of cucumbers, and then uh, and I put in a second row that fortunately never never sprouted, probably because my mulch was too thick. But um, yeah. But but the one hill of cucumbers has yielded something like fifteen or twenty cucumbers. That's been plenty. Yeah, right. Right. And then I had the opposite problem. It's so weird in different gardens where my cucumbers have not been producing at all this year. I've had like two cucumbers, three off of one hill, and I tried to grow more and they failed. And um, yeah, it's just weird. Different gardens, different. My son next door has more cucumbers than he can deal with, so I steal his. (la) (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's how gardening works. uh You know, you see, you want, you take. <laughs> so, is that worth investigation though to figure out why why his did so well and yours did not? Yeah, possibly. I think mine was a little different, uh, a different variety, and it just it just did not set fruit. And his, he had the classic Armenian cucumber, and I thought I had Armenian cucumbers, but mine looked a little different, and they might have actually been a cross up that you know got into a seed packet. And um, anyway. Uh, who knows? Um, but mine definitely looked different this year than they ever have in the past, and and so and they were less productive. So, yeah. But I've whole... seen lots of posts online of people ha- saying that their cucumbers aren't setting fruit, and I don't know if that has to do with um, the heat or um, watering, you know, regimens, or or even the fact that maybe the squash bees are having a harder time this season. You know, and the squash bees are the ones that really pollinate those mm-hmm. turkey bits. But every all the other things are things like pumpkins and squash are setting fruit like crazy in my garden. So the squash bees seem to be dealing with those. I don't know what's going on with the cucumbers. I've, I've seen a lot of people 
asking about those. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. like I said, mine uh-huh. might have been fine, but I got my, you know, I got this gigantic pumpkin vine and exactly one pumpkin. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. There's no telling, and you can always, you know, hand pollinate your pumpkin flowers. Uh, you know, I, I actually pine. gave them a little shake the other day. I was like, "Come on, guys, come on, get any more in you?" Well, but, but pumpkins are a little different, that because they the female and the male flowers are different guys. The male flowers have the pollen, the female flowers have the stigma where the pollen needs to get. And if you don't have a bee doing that for you, you can peel back, find the one that has the pollen, peel the petals off, and just take it and dust the female flowers with that pollen. Okay, so, so that's, basically artificial that's the way to insemination. Deal with yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You you are the pollinator. Okay. <laughs> so you can do that. Um, that's that's a, that's a way to do. Yeah, it's different from um, you know the tomatoes, which have both male and female uh, uh, naughty bits on each flower, uh, <laughs> and and if you shake them, they'll they'll do their thing. Um, pumpkins and squash. All the squash has um, different different sex. Ah, these are good things to know. So when you start shaking oh, yeah. things or peeling them back, yeah, it's best to know exactly what's going on with the plant. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's why, we, yeah. that's why we have Lynn here. Lynn Kunzman is Oregon's statewide Master Gardener of the Year and our frequent guest for a segment we call Garden for Life. We are live. We can take your emails to jx at jeffnet.org, j and x at jeffnet with a j dot org. Uh, so I want to come back. To, I actually had a, 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 an unanswered question in the stack, and uh, Shelly, who uh, sent a bunch of questions in a while ago, uh, one of the unanswered questions was about if there's a single fertilizer good for veggies, fruits, and lawn. Oh, I I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I I, I you're you're trying to do different things. I mean, mm-hmm. with veggies and fruits, you're wanting something that has a higher um, P and K value and not the the nitrogen. With a lawn, you want something that's got a higher nitrogen content because you're growing just the grass, just the vegetation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are very specific. I mean, there's a reason that the fertilizer industry targets specific fertilizers for specific plants. Your blueberries and lemon and citrus need high acid fertilizers. Those are very different from the things that you're putting on your tomatoes or your cucumbers or your summer vegetables. So I would really, you know, if you're going to be buying those commercial fertilizers, I would check the NPK levels and make sure that they're targeting the things you want. If you want flowers and fruit, that's that's P and K. You 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 need to get those numbers higher. And what are the limits again with the organic ones as opposed to the the factory built? You know, most organic fertilizers don't have more than. Uh, the highest I think I've seen is a five, maybe. Okay. Uh, you know, it, I mean, the numbers look really low. They'll be like four, two, two. You know, the nitrogen mm-hmm. will be four, and the other the P and the K will be two or one. Um, yeah, I know that that uh, fish emulsion is a as a like a four one one. It's mostly for nitrogen. It's mostly for vegetative mm-hmm. growth. Um, so, yeah, if you if you want um, a more, you know, chemical-based fertilizer, if you're going to go with those petrochemical fertilizers, then you really need to look at those instructions and follow those instructions carefully so you're not over-fertilizing and sending that 
material down into screen. Yeah, I'm glad we had that check in a while back about uh, how to do the weekly, weekly. And you said, look at the yeah. label. And I did look at yeah. the label. And it's like, okay, I'm, I was actually putting about the right amount in. I do the weekly, weekly. I've, I've ter- yeah. turned to my own fertilizer Friday routine now. <laughs> and I've been That's using good. a 444. Like um, uh-huh. You know, I don't know. Should I go crazy at some point and reach for a 555? I don't think. I think a 444 is fine. Um, my my vegetables don't. I don't fertilize my vegetables. It's like if they can't get by on the compost and the nutrients in my soil, they're, they're too bad. You know, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm pretty brutal. I'm, and, you know, if they can't handle it, they shouldn't be on the road. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, most gardeners over apply both fertilizers and uh, pesticides of all kinds, fungicides, mm-hmm. insecticides, and herbicides. And so those are then a problematic in our streams. And so um, I really encourage people, in fact, we, in, we insist that you read the labels and you apply according to the label directions. That is so important. Really, really, really important. Um, now, I do know that I have pollinators in the yard because uh, if I'm ever out there mowing in, in the, the back part there, I, uh, I I try not to do it when I know there are bees and butterflies around, but I have seen the bees and butterflies, so I know they're there. But, right. I mean, how much urging do they need to come to the garden? I don't think I've ever actually seen them in the garden, and it's just in the same general area. So what, what, what I encourage people to do in their vegetable gardens uh, is to plant insectary plants things that will attract those pollinators. So things like members of the carrot family, parsley, dill, um, things like um, your your herbs. Your herbs will attract uh, the honeybees. And then things uh, native plant-wise, cover crops, or I intersperse them in my, I actually grow cover crops between my vegetables, things like um, lacy facelia, which is a native plant that attracts a wide diversity and abundance of bees. It's one of the top, you know, pollinator pollinator flowers, wild pollinator flowers for our native bees. And and native bees are, <clears throat> you know, 90% more efficient at pollination than honeybees are. Mm-hmm. So really important to plant those plants that will pull those uh, insects in. Also things like, um, oh, marigolds and... Um, Alyssum, if you're planting, you know, attract uh, beneficial insects into your garden. So it's attracting beneficials. It's attracting the pollinators. Um, you, what you're trying to do is establish an ecosystem in your garden, not just a monoculture that's devoid of any other plant vegetation except your tomato vines and your pepper plants. You want to have some companion plants in there that will bring those insects Coral resources, your tomatoes and your peppers and your squash are really not providing very good floral resources for any kind of bee because the peppers and squash are, uh, uh, what's the word I want? They're shake. They have to be shaken, mm-hmm. and that's a bumblebee kind of pollination. So they're going to only attract bumblebees and the squash. Um, honeybees will visit them, but. Squash bees need to visit them. So you need other floral resources to attract the other pollinators that you could potentially be getting in your yard. And and there are some, you know, as you pointed out, some kinds of flowers and things that then tend to do well with other kinds of, uh, of uh, fruit-bearing plants? Yeah, sure. I mean, any other plant uh, that, that has 
flour. So things like let your parsley go to flour, uh-huh. right? Let your dill oh, let it bolt. flour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, um, uh, if you can plant, um, if you can plant native lomations, or if you have native plants in there uh, that, that will come back year after year. Um, but uh, alyssum, sweet alyssum, is a good attraction plant. It will bring in a lot of small, tiny bees and wasps that will help pollinate your vegetables. Um, uh, like I said, marigolds, uh, um, things like cosmos or, mm-hmm. you know, even zinnias. If you put those between your, you can plant them between your tomato vines and they'll grow up and, and attract the pollinators that you want in your vegetable crop. And then you're not growing just a monoculture, sure, <laughs> which is always problematic. I had to remind myself, alyssum is spelled A L Y S S U M. So that's the sweet alyssum you're looking for. We do get an email <clears> here <throat> from uh, uh, Corey in Ashland, uh, who says she's disappointed to have missed your workshop on beneficial insects. Is there a replay available? Certainly hope so. Uh, you know, that was a community education class, I think. And so she might be able to go in and find that uh, on our website. Um, yeah, and, and so I don't. Um, Have you given any of those a, a Zoom sessions? I, mean, I wonder if I might be able to find one of those to link to. Um, it's well, people had to register for that class. So mm-hmm. if she didn't register, then she can't get the link okay. because it is up. You know, it is up as a link, but it's to people who paid the fifteen dollars fee, ah, okay. and it's um, yeah. So that's kind of problematic. If she sends me um, an email. Uh, I can send her the slide deck, you know, so okay. she can look at the slide deck. But um, seeing the presentation is a, a all right. Matter. I will. Uh, oh, shall I give Corey your email? Sure, yeah. Okay, that. we'll do. Uh, all right, that'll be behind the scenes, and that'll be the end of today's edition of, uh, of Garden for Life. Lynn Kunzman, Jackson County Master Gardener and uh, Statewide Master Gardener of the Year, thanks as always. Thanks a lot.